ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 313th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football, as well as many other sports. Well, I'll begin today with my highlight of the week, which was watching Steph Curry last night rain threes down on the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Simply put, the past few years, watching Steph shoot threes has been just about my favorite thing to watch in all of sports. It just uh, reminds me of the old days growing up and watching people like Pete Maravich, Rick Mount, and Calvin Murphy in college when they uh, were just offensive machines, and Steph is a recreation of all of that given the fact he's a guard and just his style of game. Uh, But last night, he set the NBA Finals record for most threes in one game with nine. And he was just hitting utterly impossible shots, none more so than the one he hit uh, from probably 35 feet, backing up kind of away from the basket, As the announcers kept saying, it was a heave. But with Steph, it's never a heave because uh, because he gets him to go. But he was just uh, utterly dominant. And most importantly, uh, he saved his best for last in the fourth quarter when the Warriors just basically ran away with it. Uh, the The Warriors have been dominant in the third quarter in recent games here in the postseason and beyond. But last night, it was a bit of a role reversal where the Cavs actually outscored him by three points in the third quarter and were more than hanging around. Uh, but in this game, the Warriors turned it on in the fourth quarter, led by Steph, and uh, basically turned it into a rout. The Cavs first pulled their starters with like four minutes to go. And the Warriors quickly followed suit, so it was over with uh, just a little less than five minutes to go. Uh, Cavs threw in the white towel, so not something you see very often, especially in an NBA Finals game, especially with LeBron James on your team. But it was about a 15 to 18 point lead at that point, and it was obvious to all that it just was not going to be happening. So it's really been... uh, you know, fun to watch. Of course, the, the the game one was a classic, an instant classic, which leads uh, right into my low light of the week, which, of course, is J.R. Smith making bad history with an all-time low light on Thursday night as he apparently didn't know what the score was, didn't know that it was tied after he got a rebound of a missed George Hill free throw. And rather than shoot the potential game winner from literally uh, layup territory. He was right there at the basket. Uh, he dribbled to midcourt instead. The reaction of LeBron James was just an all-time classic. He could not believe what he, he was seeing. Uh, apparently, JR believed uh, Cavs were up by one, as opposed to the score being tied. And he did manage to shuffle it over to, to George Hill, who uh, who did make a heave. It wasn't even close. It was actually partially blocked. And they went to overtime where the Warriors 
simply ran away with it from there. So it was uh, just an amazing game to watch. Uh, the Cavs came to play, give them all the credit, and they had them on the ropes. And just the sequences at the end were classic. It was uh, a good example of why you never want to turn off a sports event uh, until the final buzzer, no matter how uncompetitive it may seem. Not that this game was the opposite of that. It was very competitive. But uh, tempers flared, lots of uh, extracurriculars from LeBron pushing Steph to Tristan Thompson and, uh, of course, Draymond Green getting into it. Uh, really, really fascinating. Uh, back and forth just in the final uh, final minute or so. It was the final couple minutes of that game were just some of the most interesting viewing we've had in I don't know how long, let alone an NBA Finals game one. So the Cavs clearly, clearly missed a major, major opportunity, hence LeBron's uh, reaction of complete dismay with what J.R. Smith did and that they played so well and that points late seemed to have the upper hand and just simply could not put it away. Much of it, of course, self-inflicted. But at the end of the day, Warriors were up 2-0. They won the first two games at home. You know, it feels like, uh, you know, the Warriors are dominating, especially after last night, but really not the case. We all know the phrase, uh, a series doesn't start till the uh, home team loses. That hasn't happened yet. So uh, being up here in Boston, I think I can relate to uh, the Cavs being down 2-0 after the first, losing the first two on the road and then uh, turning it on when they get home to Cleveland. And I think that's what we're going to see on Wednesday night. Uh, it's become practically textbook with, uh, with you know, the Cavs and LeBron delivering a big performance in this particular uh, situation of down 2-0 and finally getting back home for game three. They've literally... Uh, Perfected the art, it seems. Uh, LeBron seemed pretty down last night. He was very uh, terse, but plight uh, in his press conference. But the looks of him on the bench at the end of the game are not to be forgotten. There was periods when he seemed tired. Uh, another little sequence they showed was him... Uh, missing a shot and then basically not even going to the other end of the floor. I don't know that I've ever seen that before. They had an ISO camera on him and he basically walked up to like the foul line and I think the Warriors made a shot and he just stayed where he was, never even crossed midcourt. So, should be fun to watch. Uh, must win, obviously. Nobody's ever come back from 3-0 uh, in the NBA postseason. Uh, we're not talking Red Sox-Yankees 2004 here, so uh, we'll see what the Cavs can do at home on Wednesday night. My bizarre story of the week was watching the Washington Capitals continue to defy their history by coming up big game after game. They won on Saturday night at home in a tremendous atmosphere in Washington, D.C., Sting was playing, the streets were packed, and it was just really, really uh, good theater. And once inside, uh, Pat Sajak notwithstanding, the atmosphere inside of the uh, Pat Sajak, of course, on the pregame show. Not exactly what, they're, what they've been doing in Vegas lately. But anyway, the game was great, the crowd was great, and the atmosphere was just terrific. So here we are, the Washington Capitals. Uh, one of the more starstruck uh, teams of recent memory of the last decade or two are now just two games away from the ultimate redemption for that franchise and winning the cup. Uh, and game four, of course, is in D.C. So they win that. They're up 3-1 and puts the expansion, hard to believe I'm saying that word, Las Vegas Knights, Golden Knights, in a very, very precarious position. 
And lastly, my golf update of the week is Bryson DeChambeau winning Jack Nicklaus's Memorial Tournament out in Ohio with a sudden death win yesterday. And uh, he's a good personality uh, in the world of golf uh, with with his fashion, the hats he wears. And good to see him win a tournament, especially uh, with that drama. He missed a putt that would have won it on the 18th hole. Uh, therefore, they went into sudden death, and he won it in the second hole. So uh, good to see a personality like that get a win under his belt, and uh, we'll see where he goes from here. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game, and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 346 9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great, John. Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome, as always. We love having you on the show, and... Uh, in the first segment, I talked about NBA and NHL postseason, and I'm still uh, practically dizzied by the performance that Steph Curry put on last night, especially in the fourth quarter when he was uh, raining threes down to put that game away. Yeah, Steph Curry, when he's on that shooting streak and he's unstoppable, I mean, how do you guard somebody 35 feet from the basket that has those ball-handling skills? Correct, correct. Well, that one shot he hit that he was sort of backing up, if you can believe it, away from the basket, closer to midcourt, I think, than the three-point arc. And he put up what the announcers were calling a heave, but I don't think that word heave goes with Steph Curry because he's hit too many of them (laughs) from from ridiculous distances. But last night, that shot was something different. That was just different. That was like... If it's anybody else, it is a heave, but it was, you know, he's kind of falling away from the basket, uh, and his elbow probably went further back than it's ever gone before, given the angle and the distance, but it was just a perfect swish, and uh, when he goes in the Hall of Fame, uh, that's going to be part of the video, that shot, no doubt about it. Yeah, everyone should be so lucky with their heaves. I mean, Correct. To find the, the bottom of the net more than well, more than they don't. So, but yeah, he's. I think John and we had this conversation before. I think he is the best shooter I ever saw. Correct. And you know that includes Reggie Miller and you know some some people like a Jerry West who shot a high percentage. And uh, I think he's the best I've ever seen. 
I totally agree. Ray Allen included in that bunch, of course, uh, given that Steph broke, I believe, his record. Uh, he certainly broke the record uh, with nine three-pointers in an NBA Finals game. And, yes, I'm pretty sure uh, he beat himself from, from a previous game as well as uh, maybe Ray Allen. Um, but And I think Mookie Blaylock was on that list. But whatever. Um, right, right. You know, it was just a pleasure to watch. And I, I've noticed the Warriors have been doing something interesting with him in the postseason that I don't remember seeing a whole lot before, which is uh, where they're kind of like finding him as he circles around, in particular to the deep corners. They did it once or twice last night. There's a shot from, I believe, game one. Tough to keep them all straight. They all run together, but it might have been the Houston series where I think it was Swaggy P, Nick Young, who Steph circled behind him into the deep corner, and he was be- Nick Young was between the arc and the basket, and he just like bounced it right between his legs behind him, the Steph in the deep corner who drained it, of course, and just a great, great video. Um, but they seem to be doing that a lot. They did it at least once, maybe twice last night, where he's, again, sort of circling behind his guys are closer to the basket he gets behind them beyond the three-point arc in the corner and it just seems automatic from there so pretty fascinating as if they didn't have a big enough arsenal it feels like that's sort of a new play that they've added to their arsenal in recent weeks so uh it's it's great theater it just is and then of course Thursday game one thursday night the J.R. smith situation and all that was uh the ending of that game was as fascinating as an ending gets to, to any game, let alone an NBA Finals game, with tempers flaring and, you know, the J.R. Smith gaff and everything that was just going on. It was just wild. Of course, LeBron James' charge that was reversed. Uh, well, I should say Kevin Durant charging into LeBron. Uh, initially called a charge and then reversed that LeBron was block- blocking him and uh, honestly, I didn't even know they could do that, AP. Like, that they could reverse what, by most standards, is a bit of a judgment call. It feels a little like a pass interference call, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I didn't think that was possible myself, but uh, I learned something all the time in these playoffs. That, that J.R. Smith play, I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, the... Years ago, you're thinking about when the Celtics and the Lakers played in the 80s and the 60s, and you you just couldn't fathom, let's say, Elgin Baylor not remembering the score. Correct. Correct. And what's been lost in all of this with all the, you know, discussion and the, you know, uh, acres of print devoted to that particular play if he goes right up with it, I mean, he's right there. You know, I mean, Kevin Durant. Yes. yes. He basically pushed Kevin Durant out of the way to get that rebound. Good play on his part. And, you know, uh, if if he gets that ball and puts it right back up and scores and wins, Kevin Durant is like under major fire. He's getting the same fire that ended up being targeted at J.R. Smith. But he was just right there. And Kevin Durant totally had his back to him because he pushed him away to get the rebound. And Durant... You know, he he, he yeah. just whatever he he went to sleep on that one himself. So, but again, he was just right there. He had the ball, and he could have gone right back up before Durant would have possibly had a chance to turn around. So, I, I'm just yeah. surprised that that hasn't been like mentioned more. It's been the fact, obviously, that he, dri- he dribbled right out to midcourt, and the dismay's look from LeBron James with his hands extended, like the "What are you doing?" look, and. Uh, you know, and then he passed it to George Hill, who, barely, who really didn't have a chance to get off a decent shot, and I think it was partially blocked. But, uh, I mean, that's Jr. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of like Jr. He, he's a different kind of cat. and yeah. But, you know, he, he's a bit of an airhead, you know, and I thought it was just oh, a— Oh, yes, yes. A, you're right. A, you know, long before that play, he's been known for that. And, uh, you know— it, I felt bad for him. I just did, I, you know, because I've always sort of had a soft spot in my heart, despite his sort of up and down game. Yeah, John, there was no way to get around. You could read his lips, and at that moment, just own up to it. There's 
I mean, if you're your own biggest critic, then what what can someone say? You know, I made a mistake. It was my error. We have we Correct, right. game two. There's nothing. I mean, to, to try to think, to try to say otherwise, you just get entangled. And, right, and if I interpret it correctly. Oh, absolutely. It's along the lines of, you know, the cover-up is worse than the crime. Um, and, yeah, it seemed, if I got it right, and it's tough to keep track of it all, but that at one point he said, you know, he, he knew the score was tied, and at another point was he, he had the score wrong. So I, I assume both things are true. Uh, but to his credit, he apparently met with the media on Saturday and was very, very forthcoming. He didn't hide. Right. Uh, no. But, you know, much to my surprise last night, uh, nor did he or George or really the Cavs in general come up, start that game the way I would have thought they would start that game. I thought they would come out like just out of their minds, you know, with three days to kind of stew on that game. And right. instead it was, you know, the, the JaVel McGee show to start the game where he, <laughs> he ended up going six for six, starts the game off with two massive dunks. And the Warriors in general started fast. And the Cavs, to their credit, managed to keep it, you know, uh, from getting out of hand within the, fir in the first two to three minutes, literally. And then, you know, just hung in there pretty much until uh, the fourth quarter when Steph went off. So it was, uh, again, great theater. And now we have... You know, it may not be an elimination game in the technical sense, but Wednesday night game three in Cleveland is, by all accounts, a must-win game for the Cavs, obviously. Yeah, there's no way you come from behind 3-0. It's never been done in basketball, baseball, I guess. And was it baseball and hockey? Those are the two sports that's been done. Yeah. Correct. But it had, you know, it's been done a few times. We witnessed one up here in Boston when the Flyers back from down 3-0 to the Bruins not that long ago, 8-10 years ago, if that. Uh, so yeah, it's been done a few times in hockey I'm thinking 4 or 5 maybe. Uh, of course, the Red Sox when they did it in 4 against the Yankees were the first ever baseball team to do it. Um, so yeah, it's rare. And it's, you said it perfectly. It's never been done in basketball. So it is a rare, rare event, to put it mildly. Um... But, you know, the other thing about all this is just uh, you know, LeBron James. I mean, what he is doing has just been unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, you know, even last night where he had what maybe for him would almost be called a pedestrian game, as laughable as that sounds. But what was it like? Right. 29 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists, something along those lines. And yet, right, and you're thinking, yeah, it's not. He, enough, you're thinking, oh, he's he not enough. That poor. Right, we had 51 on Thursday night, as we know, in Game One, yeah. and he's had a slew of 40-plus point games, uh, as well. He, he's just been as dominant a force as I've ever seen in the game of basketball, and that's you know from Larry Bird to Magic. Uh, you know, to Michael. I mean, he has just literally taken over these playoffs. Uh, just going back to game seven here in Boston. I mean, the minute they let him hang around in the third quarter when the Celtics could have put him away in the second, potentially they had a 12-point lead. They couldn't build on that. And when we get into the third quarter of game seven up here in Boston last Sunday night, uh, you know, he, they were right there in the third quarter and then they got about a five to seven point lead midway through the fourth quarter. And I said, that's it. Like, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I mean, to me, it was obvious at that point that LeBron with a five point lead with six, eight minutes to go, he's winning that game. I had no doubts in my mind. And that's exactly the way it played out. So he is just, uh, it's just incredible what he's doing. I mean, and the most amazing thing to me, AP is, how good his three-point shooting has become. Yes, he's improved in many phases of his game. The long-distance shooting is one for sure. And th th that adds to his greatness. I mean, you know, Magic Johnson didn't come into the league being able to make those long shots as well. Correct. And he good analogy. time. And then you have somebody like LeBron who had all the physical skill. He could drive the basketball and, 
rebound and he became a good defender and ball handler extraordinaire and passer and over the over time i mean here it is how many years in the league he uh, he worked himself up to be an outstanding shooter i mean he's a threat when he's on when he's on his game he's as good as any anyone who's ever played because of his strength his height his ball handling ability his range uh, is is phenomenal it really is, and I think what the X factor is in all of this is that you know, he, he's practically perfected the step-back jumper, and he's doing it from three-point land and beyond. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. that, that is, at his size, you know, whatever, 6'9", six, six, 275, whatever he is, is right. you know, he's got the strength to do that just by flicking his wrists and, you know, from 30, 35 feet. And, you know, it's nothing but net, too. These are not like, you know, these are Steph Curry, Splash Brother type shots that are just dropping right through. And so, yeah, it's really a pure shot. I just give the guy all the credit in the world. I really do. I, 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 you know, I know there's LeBron haters out there, but I have nothing but respect for the guy. You know, I fear seeing him come into the garden for game seven, that type of thing, but as far as watching him, I think it's just it's fabulous. We're gonna miss him when he's gone, that's for sure. Oh yeah, and he plays very hard all the time, and that's what you oh, yeah. see tremendous effort. And uh, he he makes his teammates better. Uh, he can't do the impossible, but he does quite a bit with the talent surrounding him. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be an unbelievable uh, feat. If he wins this series, I mean, because right. of the talent on the other team, I just don't see it happening. I mean, I think I, somebody asked me the other day, I said it would be six games, uh, two wins for Cleveland and uh, four wins for Golden State. But, uh, so we'll get to, we'll see what happens this upcoming game. They, they must win. If they don't, it'll probably, probably be a sweep. That's exactly right. And I think the Warriors are going to come in as hungry as any team up 2-0 has ever come into any series in any sport. I really believe that because they are smart enough to know fourth time ever, fourth time in a row, fourth year in a row that they're playing, first time it's ever been done in the history of American professional sports, same two teams meet for the finals, for the championship. And the Warriors know, like I know and you know, and everybody else knows, you cannot let LeBron hang around, whether that's at the end of a game or midway through a series. You, you really have to drive the stake through him, through his heart, to win that series. And I'm not saying if they don't win, you know, if they don't win game three, that they're not going to win the series. I'm just simply saying they're going to come in uh, with the highest priority of winning game three so that they can just uh, negate LeBron. Just that simple. Yeah, there's no question that they can smell the blood. Correct. Uh, they know that LeBron is is he's almost expended all of his energy just trying to get to these first two games. And if they can take care of business on the next game three, the, they'll win either the fourth one or the fifth one. And wrap up wrap up the series, I believe. Exactly right, right. And uh, and watching that fourth quarter last night, yeah. Any basketball fan would have had to be thinking like, okay, we could we could be looking at a sweep here. Uh, we shall see you on Wednesday night. Uh, but now it's time for our break. And coming up will be uh, AP, I believe, one of our favorite days of the year because the College Football Hall of Fame ballot was announced just a couple of hours ago. It's always got a list of interesting names, always a fun walk down memory lane talking about these guys and how you and I remember them. So uh, we'll take our break now, but we'll get to the College Football Hall of Fame ballot on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. 
In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand, all from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, and AP, uh, at the end of the previous segment, we, t- we teased that the College Football Hall of Fame ballot was just announced at 11 a.m. Eastern this morning. And as always, just a tremendous list of names. 76 players in all are on the ballot, six coaches. And just to give our listeners perspective, There are 5.26 million have played college football through the years, 150 years uh, this day, 150th year anniversary, actually. And 997 have been inducted. And the immediate cut down is you have to have been named a first team All-American, which brings that 5 million uh, plus who have played the game down to like uh, 1,500 or so. When you make that first cut, first-team All-American is required. So, uh, what jumped out at you, AP, when you first saw the ballot this morning? Yeah, John, one other thing. You have to be on specified, uh, a specified first-team All-American on certain teams. On, oh, okay, you know, whether, right, exactly. Walter Camp or Walter Camp. Or, and, and for that particular year as well, it, it, there's a list that they have that they send out to people if you request but anyway, I was looking at some of the older names that are still on the list. Jim Otis, Quebec, Ohio State. Uh, looking at uh, Jess Lewis was a linebacker, I think. From yeah, Jim Otis was late or, 60s, or, by D- the way. D- yeah, Jim, o- Jim Otis played the Ohio State, was on that national championship team in 1968. Uh, right, Jack Tate that defense- Yeah, and uh, Jess Lewis was a defensive tackle from Oregon State in the late 60s. Yeah. Larry Jacobson was an Outland Trophy winner from Nebraska in 71. Bobby Majors, brother to uh, Johnny Majors, was a defensive back at Tennessee in 71. 
also had uh, Phil Olson with a defensive end, Utah State, the younger brother of College Football of Fame member and the fearsome force of Merlin Olson. Uh, so those are some, and you had, then you had somebody like uh, Ken Huff from the guard from North Carolina in the early 70s. So there's still some names out there that if you want to clean up this list, maybe they can get taken care of this year. Uh, I know it's difficult. Oh, another famous name, John. Uh, people probably won't remember him, but this is the person I recall doing the end zone dance. I know who you Elmo mean. Elmo Wright. Elmo, Elmo Wright. Wright. <laughs> Went on to the Kansas City University of Houston, right? Am I right about that? Houston, you co- that's correct. That's correct. He was a great player there. Number uh, 17. He, number 17, that's correct. And uh, so he's on that list as well. So maybe some of those names will enter the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, but that's what struck me when I first looked at the list that they were still yet to be voted in the Hall of Fame. All And all these players are tremendous. I mean, it's so difficult to come and vote for, what, 10 or 11 people off this uh, FBS list. It's really, it's really hard to make a selection because you're trying to figure out, do I put on all the running backs, all the, let's say, high trophy winners? Do I put on all the you know, wide receivers? I mean, you're trying to come up with some plan to include everybody and it's like I said, it's extremely uh, a sensitive, sensitive issue. I totally agree. Good observations. What jumped out at me was the great defensive backs that were on the list. Of course, it comes out in alphabetical order, so right off the bat, Terrell Buckley from Florida State jumped out at me, and I interviewed him uh, when he was here in the NFL. And he was just a great guy, so I really liked him. Uh, And then on and on from there, I mean, you mentioned Johnny Majors, or excuse me, Bobby Majors. And again, great, great defensive back at Tennessee. Also on the list, the great Troy Vincent from the University of Wisconsin. Great defensive back who, uh, of course, went on to big things with a few NFL teams, most notably the Philadelphia Eagles. He was the number one draft pick of the uh, of the Dolphins coming out of Wisconsin, and uh, great player as well as Troy Polamalu from Southern Cal, who uh, we all knew him when he played at USC. But then again, we certainly he was a household name as was his hair. Uh, by the time he did <laughs> fabulous things for uh, you know for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but a name that th- then you know. The name that jumped out at me was, interestingly, I just didn't realize he was this great of a college player because we see him all the time now, David Pollock, Georgia, defensive lineman. I mean, number one, I saw a before and after picture of him when he was at college because uh, it's a dramatic difference. He's now what I would say is tall and thin. And, you know, then he was, again, a defensive lineman. But I didn't realize, literally, till I ran the ballot this morning, what a tremendous, tremendous player he was for Georgia. Obviously, I knew he was good. You don't play defensive lineman at Georgia without being good. But I didn't know he was Hall of Fame material. But, you know, three-time first-team All-American consensus, 02 and 04. Recipient of the 04 Log Barty and Bednarik Awards, two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Led the Bulldogs to consecutive SEC title games. UGA's all-time leader in sacks with 36 and tackles for loss with 58 and a half. Did you know he was that good? You, you might because you're down in the SEC I, world. Yeah, I knew, I knew he was good. I, I don't recall him being a three-time first-team All-American, but I knew that David had some significant numbers. I mean, tackles for loss, that's, that's pretty sweet, 58 and a half. That's a lot. A lot of, that's raising a lot of ruckus in the backfield. Exactly. And again, you know, I think anybody who watches college football knows exactly who he is. He's on college football game day. He's on ESPN frequently, to put it mildly. And he's getting more airtime, it seems, with each passing year. Um, You know, likable guy and someone that we see. Yeah. And someone that we see all fall long. Um, But after this, you know, after today, I think I'm going to look at him in a different light. Again, I always knew he played 
defensive lineman for Georgia, but that was it. And I just had no idea he had had that kind of a career. Another one for me, AP, uh, was I was really pleased to see this, was uh, Bobby Ingram, wide receiver for Penn State in 1994. That, of course, was the team with that went undefeated. Kerry Collins as quarterback. Kajana Carter as the running back. And why that memory is so vivid for me is uh, I went to the Rose Bowl that year when they played Oregon to secure their undefeated season. Rose Bowl was... Very high on my bucket list, and that was the year I finally got there and uh, just never forgot it. Uh, I think we all remember that game for Kajana Carter dashing 83 yards on the first play from scrimmage, and he basically ran right into my lap because my seats for that game were seven seats behind the goalpost uh, in the end zone where Kajana Carter ran, and it was uh, truly one of the great sports thrills I can ever remember. It truly was to be there in person for that moment. and But Ingram was great. Kerry Collins to Ingram was a tremendous combination. And, uh, you know, they, they were the big three. And, oh, by the way, they had a tight end named Kyle Brady that was pretty good, too. So quite a team. Again, they went undefeated, but that was the year that Nebraska and Tom Osborne were given the national championship. Yeah, there was nothing they could do about it, no matter how many games they won that particular year, but uh, there was you know, a lot of quality on that team, depth, and uh, they were pretty dominant. I, I, don't know if I don't know what their closest game was, John. I don't know if it was... Oh, I do. <laughs> I remember oh, it well, because it, it was, was on my birthday, was it, AP, and it was against was Illinois, it in, oh, Illinois. Illinois in Champaign, late November. They were obviously undefeated. Uh, heavy favorites, but Illinois basically led that entire game. And, you know, it looked like it was all going down the drain. I had already, you know, put in place plans to go to the Rose Bowl and the assumption they were winning that game. They ultimately <laughs> did, but it was a nervous night, AP. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I'm serious. I'll yeah, never could, forget yeah, that night. Yeah, I could imagine you, you had plans of going to Pasadena and they were in jeopardy. Exactly right. It's exactly right. It was all lined up, even tickets at that point. And, uh, but they, they, they showed their medal that night and did come back and won at the end. And uh, that was an all-time classic, to say the least. Uh, well, AP, no surprise, actually, that this quickly, uh, this segment quickly went through, as it always does when we talk about it. We've practically devoted shows, let alone segments, to this annual ballot. But... We are at the end of our uh, this third segment, so why don't we take a break now and a few things to get to still on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. 
I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, once again, NBA and NHL finals, championship finals. Uh, Starts tonight where the Washington Capitals are looking to take a 3-1 lead when they host the Las Vegas Golden Knights down in D.C. Uh, Massive game, to put it mildly. Uh, At the end of the night, we're either going to be sitting at 2-2 or 3-1 in favor of the Capitals. So uh, the series will swing big time tonight. And then Wednesday night, of course, uh, NBA Finals shift to Cleveland for Game 3. Warriors at the Cavaliers. So, AP, tis the season, as they say, for uh, college annual meetings, various conferences and whatnot. Uh, The American Athletic Conference, who you and I have both covered, uh, had theirs last week in Dallas and uh, successful once again. Uh, and you know, their, their star has risen steadily through the years. Uh, but, but none more so than this past year with the undefeated university of central Florida team that still is claiming their national championship. And, uh, you know, as we all know, Alabama was the CFP winner and you of course were down at the sec meetings in, uh, in Destin, Florida this past week as well. So how did that go? Yeah, John, I just want to say that was a brilliant campaign by Central Florida to claim the national title. I, I think yes. it was, I think it was fun. I, I think that was their intention. I think it's a lot of fun. Some, I really do. And yeah, I, yeah it's, I think people took it with, in the wrong way. Some, some of them, I believe, but. Well, you know, just before we get started on Destin, in the SEC meetings, I mean, you know, I have a perfect analogy. We just discussed it. That 94 Penn State team went undefeated the night before. Miami, uh, Nebraska beat Miami in the Orange Bowl. We're all watching it in the lobby of our Los Angeles hotel. And when I say all, I mean many hundreds of Penn State fans in town for the Rose Bowl the next day. And basically, Nebraska won. Tom Osborne was awarded the national championship practically uh, by the TV announcers, Bob Costas, that night, rendering the game we're all going to the next day as, quote, somewhat meaningless. And that's still been a point of contention in Penn State. Not the only time it's happened in Penn State, undefeated, but no national championship. But in the end, AP, they did were awarded officially the New York Times national championship that year. And the plaque still stands today at Beaver Stadium from that team. But... Again, the consensus winner that year was, of course, Nebraska and Tom Osborne's first. So, similarities to UCF in a, in a way. Yes. Yeah, there certainly is. And uh, they'll remember that team from Central Florida. That'll be the gold standard uh, no matter who comes after. And whoever came up with that plan and that strategy and that uh, was, was uh, should be awarded, I think. But anyway, we, we move on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Destin last week for the 2018 SEC spring meetings, and one of the the uh, points of contention, especially with Nick Saban, was the graduate transfer rule. The SEC has in place was that if you were going to uh, graduate from Alabama, let's say, and you wanted to transfer to Tennessee, which they have a second-string center, Brendan Kennedy, who wants to transfer to Auburn or Tennessee, he wants to be able to play immediately. Well, there's a rule we have to have the year in residency, as they say. But that that rule was changed, uh, and all the coaches, you know, Will Muschamp and uh, Jimbo Fisher and uh, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, they all voted, in, or, you know, their schools all voted in favor to bypass their year in residency. So now when you graduate from a school in the SEC, you do not, do not have to sit out a year. You can go straight to that. To that school. So uh, Nick Saban, he feels that even though he's against the rule, if it is passed, they, Alabama might be a big benefactor because, let's say, you're an off-conference player at somewhere that has an unlikely chance of winning a championship, you're going to consider a school like Alabama. 
but Alabama will lose some of those five-star players that aren't on the first team. So it'll be a plus-minus situation, but uh, Alabama will survive, I believe. Yeah, I, I believe so. changed at the uh, objection of Nick Saban. Okay, inter- yes, it's been getting a lot of pub. And uh, that's it. So it's official, right? Yes, official, right. And then there was another okay. legislation that passed uh, relating to the conduct, uh, John, uh, a prospective student-athlete who, who had been convicted or pled guilty or no contest of felony in, involving a serious misconduct uh, has been subject to the official disciplinary action by the institution uh, or is due to serious misconduct should not be eligible for athletic uh, scholarship at SEC or you know member school, so they they passed that and they really extended it to high school as well. So you know that that was the the reason for the rule they wanted to extend it to high school. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, serious trouble before they enter the school. You know, not, you know, enter the SEC school. They're not going to be uh, uh, chosen. You know, they're not going to be eligible. Sure. Sure. Well. Always a lot going on in the world of these conferences. Uh, you know, next thing you know, it'll be uh, media days right around the corner before we know it. But, you know, good to, uh, you know, get the conference uh, conference annual meetings. They always have some, you know, very relevant topics to discuss. And, you know, uh, again, with the AAC, it was great to see, you know, Mike Arasco, the commissioner, of course, is... Uh, couldn't be more pleased, you know, just back to the Central Florida thing. I mean, the one thing for sure is, you know, that raised the profile of the American Athletic Conference, what Central Florida did and how they've claimed a national, their own national championship in the aftermath. So it's like Jim Harbaugh. I think that stuff's good for college football. I really do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I get people too. talking. I yeah, I totally agree. Uh, all right, AP. Well, hard to believe. Uh, I thought the last segment was the quickest ever. This one may have tied it, uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it, it's over already. And, uh, so once again, I just want to thank you for calling in, uh, who knows by the time we talk next week, there could be one and or two brand new NBA slash NHL champions decided but we shall see it'll be fun to watch but thanks again for calling in and appreciate your perspective as always ap oh thank you john it's always my pleasure look forward to the next time as do we and as always thank you all for listening to all around sports and we look forward to doing it all again next monday at 1 p.m eastern time Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.